turn your Bibles into Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Uh, we're going to read uh, the first verse all the way through verse 13 and finish our message from uh, last week um, on prayer. I'm going to read uh, the first 13 verses and then I'll pray and we'll dive into God's Word. Luke chapter 11, starting in the first verse. Uh, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Your father among what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Father, we bow before your holy presence. You are a great and a glorious God. We indeed hallow your name. You are holy and righteous and good. And God, when we enter into your presence, we are all the more aware of our sinfulness, of our sin this past week. God, our hearts have not made you a priority. God, we have been filled with much anxiety and grief And we have not turned to you, God, but we have wallowed in our self-pity. God, we pray now as we come uh, to this hour that you will uh, forgive us of our sins. God, we confess them to you. And God, we hold on to the promise of Scripture um, that you will not count uh, the sins against your people because you counted them on Christ. So God, we pray that you would consider us blessed, Lord, this day as you forgive our sins. God, we thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church family. God, we thank you so much for Ellen Justice and all that she has done in service to this church over the last two years. God, we thank you so much for her her genuine love and authentic uh, relationship with you, God. We thank you how she has poured herself out uh, for these children. God, we pray that you would bless her, God. God, we thank you for her obedience to your spirit. God, we pray that you would just bless this next season of her life. And God, we do pray that you would bless our church family, that you would continue to raise up people in this church to serve uh, our children. God, our children are one of our greatest gifts. So God, we pray that we would steward and shepherd them well, that as as they grow, that they will grow in the knowledge and fear of the Lord, that they would um, be warriors for the kingdom of God. God, we we pray for our city. God, we love Rock Hill. God, we, we want our city to be Um, reach with the gospel of Christ. Father, we pray for um, 
North Rock Hill this morning. We pray for Jay Hardwick as he preaches uh, through Galatians. God, we pray that as he preaches, the Holy Spirit of God would attend his preaching. God, we pray specifically for that Northwestern football team who is visiting his church this morning. God, we pray that those people who come, that they would hear and believe in the gospel of Christ, Father. We pray that you would change destinies this morning through the preached word. Call sinners to yourself, we pray. God, we, we need you this morning. God, our hearts, Father, need a word from you. God, we know that unless the Holy Spirit of God touches us, that we are um, dead. So God, we pray now for the preaching of the word here now. God, we pray that you would fill this room with the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. So God, in the next 30 minutes, as we look into your word, we pray that we would be convicted, that we would be free from distraction, that God, we would be ready to hear a word from you. So God, I pray that you would deepen your people in a love for prayer. Um, and to deepen us in a love for you, understand how much you have loved us in Christ. So God, as we open your word now, we ask you to send your spirit. It's in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Uh, I have never been a planner. Uh, my lack of planning can be a blessing, uh, but can also be a curse. Uh, in 2003, uh, I traveled across uh, the country to make a video for my mother's 50th birthday. I went to interview her old friends and family to kind of make her a, a video uh, and put it all together. Well, uh, my wife and I recently started uh, dating. Now, my wife is a planner. She would like to know what is going to happen next. Uh, so w- during this trip, um, Ellen asked me one day, she said, Dave, where are we spending the night tonight? And I said, well, we're spending the night um, at my friend the Scalabrinos, a friend of mine from, from high school. Uh, well, when she asked me that, it was about 9.30, 10 o'clock, and I, I, I had yet to ask <laughs> the Scalabrinos if it was okay for me to spend the night at their house. Uh, now, my wife, growing up in, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, understands social norms and decorum, and just things that everybody should know before you enter someone's home. You should call ahead and see if it's okay. So my wife right now is mortified that her new uh, relationship, all of two days, was it, Um, had no clue (laughs) on normal social protocol. Uh, And she was right. But I was 23, and at 23 years old, you don't plan for much of anything. Well, we I finally arrived at their house after calling ahead. It was almost midnight, uh, and my wife was shocked at what we saw. We were greeted with a whole spread of food. There was chips and sandwiches and pastries and cookies, and this is, this is all put together within an hour because I called an hour before and it said, is it okay if we sleep uh, on your couch tonight? Um, in my ignorance, I was bold and shameless to ask for help. I was in need, so I asked people who I knew loved me for help. Well, I think the same way that I, in my ignorance, uh, God wants us to do in our knowledge of Him. He wants us to go to Him for help based on His love for us. Prayer is how we show our dependence on God and that we need 
His help. It's our way of acknowledging His love for us. For we know that He is one who wants to bless His children. Uh, so if you have an outline, if you want to flip it over, give you a, a kind of, I started this sermon last week and we're going to finish it this week. Uh, so the first two points, just so you have them in your notes, is we wanted to pray perpetually uh, to the God of heaven. We want to pray regularly and formally, as we saw Jesus doing there in verse 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, thing you see continually in Jesus' life. As he was praying, we want to follow our master. Well, the second point, we said we want to pray properly to the God of holiness. Pray properly to the God of holiness. This is where we get looked at the, at the Lord's Prayer in, in verses 2 through 4. God teaches us how to properly pray. Well, today we'll pick up in, in point number three. Uh, we want to pray passionately to the God of help. Pray passionately to the God of help. Look with me again in verse five of this morning's text. Jesus tells a story. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs." Now, as we just looked at the story of Martha and Mary, hospitality was a very big deal in the first century. Uh, It was a great sign of disrespect not to care for those who were brought in to your home. And we can just see that even in Martha's life, how furiously she worked, right, to provide for Jesus and his disciples. Now, as much as hospitality was very important, people had very little notice that it was coming. Uh, They didn't have cell phones then. People couldn't call ahead and say, hey, I'll be there at 6 They just showed up, and you were expected to provide for the people who entered your home. So you can imagine how the the, the mother and father were were experiencing when they had those distant relative cousins walk into their house, and they said, we're hungry, we've come from a long journey. Where's some bread? And the husband looked at his wife, and the wife looked at her husband. We have nothing to eat, right? This was a very big deal. This family was desperate to put something in front of their guest. So what is the first thing they do? We don't have anything. We are going to go to our neighbor. Now in that day, to go and knock on your your neighbor's house at 12 o'clock would probably be much like it is today. It probably would not be received well. But there was even worse because most people, they lived in a, in a single room house. So people would, would be, be sleeping all in the same room. Uh, we had a man uh, come, you know, in, in the Keene household, nap time is sacred time, right? You don't mess with nap time, right? The kids are sleeping, you leave us, let us be. Uh, well, we had a man who was trying to sell us some, uh, some new gutters on our house. Ring the doorbell at 2 o'clock, right in the heart of nap time right? I'm laying down on the couch and you kind of get up all groggy and you want to yell at the person at the door, do you not know it's that time? Do not ring the doorbell! Because you don't want your kids to get up. Because when your kids get up, all things go crazy. Well, can you imagine the, the, the dilemma that this man has? If I knock on that door and I wake up my neighbor, I don't just wake up my neighbor. I wake up the entire house. 
This was a very big deal. But what's more important? What's more important? He wanted to be a good host. He didn't care about proper respect or social norms. He had no other choice. He needed help. So he went and banged on his neighbor's door. And beloved, this is how God wants us to pray. He wants us to realize that we, like this man, have a world to feed without food in the house. We have no power to feed this world. This world is starving and lost, and they need the hope put out in the gospel of Christ. And we need his help that they may see and believe. We must be a people who are willing to passionately pray to God for his help. Jesus teaches in, in, in his Lord's Prayer for us to refocus ourselves not on our own needs, but on the needs of the kingdom. Remember those words last week? Your kingdom come. We think about that, that, that the Lord, how the Lord uses uh, the refocus in, in the Lord's Prayer to help us in how we, we, we treat those who are lost around us. And that really what the word hospitality means in the Greek. To show hospitality was to show love to strangers. Jesus wants us to understand of our desperate need to feed those who are estranged from God with the gospel of Christ. Beloved, people are lost and dying all around us, and yet we don't pray. But notice what Jesus is saying here in verse 8. It says, you will rise and give him whatever he needs. See, God will give us everything we need to complete his mission. We just have to ask. See, I think our problem is not our understanding of our mission, but it's our motivation. We simply, as a people, lack motivation to complete God's mission. We are desperate enough. Randy Leaner was a man who weighed 297 pounds. He always had a hard time losing weight. Uh, He would start diets, and he would never finish them. He never had the proper motivation to lose weight. That was until 1998 when his five-year-old daughter, Megan, got sick. Uh, Megan needed a kidney transplant. And after doing tests, they discovered that Randy, her father, was a perfect match for his daughter to give her a kidney. But the doctors wouldn't let Randy give her kidney. Because of his weight, because of of, of his body and the the complications that would come from his weight, the doctor said, you cannot give your kidney. So he had to watch for an entire year while he worked to lose the weight, his little five-year-old daughter go through dialysis, experiencing kidney disease before her kidneys failed. Um, Randy said this, so there was never any question about donating the kidney, but I was just worried that I would not get my weight down fast enough. I had a strong motivation to lose it fast. Uh, He stopped eating, he exercised, he lost 103 pounds over the course of 8 to 12 months. See, he had no problem sticking to his diet this time, because he had a strong motivation to finish his goal. I mean, can you imagine how hard it would have been for him to watch his, his sweet five-year-old girl going in and experiencing dialysis for kidney failure? 
Do you think that every time he had the desire to, to sneak on his diet or, or go get to the hot and, and ready Krispy Kreme donuts, you think he would have any motivation to say no to that when he looked in the face of his daughter? I would say absolutely he had the motivation because he knew that his willingness to complete the mission could save his daughter's life. Beloved, we have to have this kind of motivation because people around us are dying. They don't know Jesus. They don't have the hope held out in the gospel. And yet we don't have the motivation to pray for their souls. I pray that God would make us desperate. Do we have that kind of motivation? We will only have that motivation if we realize how desperate we are without God's help. Look back at verse 8. It says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. The word impudence there in the Greek is, is a hard one to translate. It's kind of two words. It means boldness and shamelessness. As one scholar says, the stress is not on the persistence or the repetition of the request as much as it is on the boldness or the nerve of the request. This petitioner has gall. He is willing to go great lengths and to suffer great rebuke to get the bread so that he could be a good host. It takes nerve to wake up a neighbor, let alone his whole family in the middle of the night. See, Jesus is encouraging his disciples to pray with a shameless boldness for our request. When's the last time that you went and prayed with a boldness and a shamelessness to God that he would grant your request? But we don't want to look at God as a disgruntled neighbor, right? That's not the way God is pictured here. Uh, the thing is, is if a disgruntled neighbor would, will meet your needs, how much more will God, who loves you, meet your needs? Listen to what the, the Scriptures say in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 and following. Since then, we have a great high priest, priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect was, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So the author of Hebrews recounts of how Jesus died for us. And then he says this in verse 16, chapter 4 of Hebrews. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. See, our boldness is not because we deserve to approach God. Let me say that again. Our boldness is not because we deserve to approach God, but rather because one has purchased us the right to be bold in our prayers. Jesus Christ was tempted in every way and yet was without sin. He died as our high priest, giving us access to the Father. Now, do you remember at the end of Jesus' life, Mark 15, 37 and 38 say this, Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now the curtain separated the holy place from the most 
holy place. The high priest of, uh, of the Jews would go in there once a year to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. Well, we saw, find out from the book of Hebrews that Jesus Christ went in to the holy place and sacrificed himself for sin once and for all, allowing us now to have access to God the Father. The curtain is torn in two, so we can go directly to God through Jesus' death and resurrection. That is a great God. That's why we call him Father. He is our Father, because we have been purchased through the blood of Christ, the soul-cleansing blood of Christ. That's why the writer says we can approach God with confidence in our time of need. Now, I know many of you have different needs in your own life, and let us kind of ask you and plead with you, go to God in prayer. Go to God in prayer, because you are hopeless without Him. The second thing we see here in this morning's text, we don't only want to pray passionately, we want to pray positively to the God of hope. Pray positively to the God of hope. I'm using positively in the sense of praying that is characterized by displaying a certainty. And I'm using hope in the same context. When we go to God, there is a certainty and a, a, it will positively happen. We pick up the text in, in verse 9. It says, I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. Three commands we found in verse 9 and 10 that Jesus gives us. Ask, seek, knock. He is encouraging us to pray. Uh, Mark Batterson says this. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is that some prayers go unanswered as they go unasked. We need to ask, seek, and knock. God will answer our prayers. But remember, Jesus has already taught us the content which we pray. Too often we we approach God as that that giant piggy bank in the sky or that genie. We want to pray and we want to get all our our needs and all our our, uh, demands that we want in this life met. But Jesus has already changed that, right? He already told us that Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. All of our prayers should be focused on God's kingdom. So when we're, we're struggling physically with our health, we, 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 can, we can pray, God, heal me. But even more, God, use whatever you have given me, this illness, this sickness, use it to build your kingdom for your glory. And I just don't think we think like that as a people. I think too often we're so focused on us, God wants you to focus on the kingdom of God. Our, one of the goals of prayer is to conform our desires to God's. We want to desire what God wants. Prayer helps us seek the kingdom more than our personal comfort. God cares about what we pray and with the heart in which we pray. Listen to what James Chapter 4, verse 2 and 3 says, You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Did you hear the motive there? You ask for things to serve your passions. Now, beloved, can I just give you a, a tip? If you are at home and you're not feeling well and you want to watch a little television, 
and you turn on these preachers who are on TV, you will find them talking a lot about your passions. How do you meet your desires and your passions? But can I just encourage you not to listen to them? Because that is not what Jesus Christ has taught us. Let's go back to the the Lord's Prayer. What did he he teach us? In verse 2, listen. It says, And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now listen, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray together. I'm not sure if you've noticed that. There's a course, corporate aspect in the Lord's prayer. And I think we often just ignore it. See, God never created your salvation for yourself. God always wanted to call you out of darkness to his people. We live in community. Now, how would a community change if we prayed the Lord's Prayer together? How different would your home be if you gathered hands with your wife and with your children and you said, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. And then you said that together. Give us our daily needs, Lord. Forgive us our sins and how we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Praying together helps us see that we are not living for ourselves. We are called to live in community with other believers. Listen to what John, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. See, God wants us to seek his will when we pray. What is the will of God? Let's study the scriptures. Let's pray in line with the will of God. God knows that his will for your life is better than your will for your life. God knows that his will for you is better than your will for you. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So very clearly, very simple application in this morning's sermon. Pray. Just pray. God wants us to pray. And he wants us to pray um, in a way that recognizes that he wants to answer our prayers. Jesus goes on in, in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I love the second half of that verse in verse 13. How much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, I used to read this all the time. The same verse is quoted in Matthew chapter 7, and I love studying the Sermon on the Mount before I was married and had children. Still love to study it. Um, but I don't think I really understood this verse until I became a dad, until I became a father. You know, I love my, my children. Uh, you know, I, I think they are one of the greatest joys in my life. 
Uh, and my kids love to ask for things. If you have children, you know that children love to ask for things. Um, and I want to do uh, my best uh, to answer those prayers and to give them what they desire if it is in line with the Lord. You know, sometimes they ask for things that will hurt them. Like, Daddy, can I eat Halloween candy for lunch today? Well, no, you can't eat Halloween candy for lunch. Sometimes they ask things that are neutral. Uh, Daddy, can we go bike riding instead of walking? Uh, Can we have grilled cheese for lunch today instead of peanut butter and jelly? Sure, (laughs) have that. But then there's other times, and these are the sweet times, is when they ask for things that you know are good for them. Um, you know, it's when my kids know that I'm going to the nursing home um, on the third or the fourth Thursday of the month, and they go, Daddy, uh, is it okay that we go with you? Is it okay that we go with you and, and encourage uh, those saints to, to love Jesus? And something happens when they ask those kind of prayers that you know are in line with God's will. There's this cry that kind of wells up in you, and it says, yes, yes. See, I think that is the way the Lord is with us. There's certain times that we ask for things that are wrong, that are going to hurt us, and the Lord doesn't want that. He wants to say no. And there's certain times it's just neutral, that the Lord is, is, is it's kind, of, kind of indifferent. It's not going to make a big difference in your life. But then there's other times that when you pray, God just says, yes, that's my child, yes. When we bow in prayer and we ask God to open the eyes of our next door neighbor who is lost. When we ask God to show mercy and kindness to the the man or woman in our church who just lost a spouse. Yes, yes. When we pray in any way that's in accord with God's word, God our Father says, Yes. Now, the, the, this teaching here uh, in Luke is slightly different than the teaching in Matthew. In Matthew, Jesus says that the Lord will want to give good gifts to his children, but Luke says that he wants to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. I think Luke, the doctor, the author of this gospel in the, in the book of Acts, is quick to bring attention to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Luke specifies one of the good gifts that God gives is the Holy Spirit. Spirit. The Spirit is given to guide the disciples into the truth of the Lord. See, God wants to reveal Himself to His children. See, prayer is how we get that intimate relationship with God. The only way we can experience that level of intimacy and experience success in our mission for Him is through prayer. So why do you think There are so many things in this life that will try to keep you from praying. The evil one doesn't want you praying. Because if you pray, your relationship with God grows intimate and close, and you walk in obedience with Him, and you push back the gates of hell. But when we don't pray, our love for the Lord tends to wane. We are falling right in to the evil one's hands. See, God in his mercy, wanted us to experience his presence. He wanted us to experience the the love um, and the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Jesus says in John 16. I'll read this, make a comment, and I'll close. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, speaking of his death and resurrection. 
For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus came as a man so that when he died, was buried, and when God called him home in the resurrection, he would send the Holy Spirit to live and abide in you. See, the reason why God is our Savior is because he sent his Spirit that lives in us. And this is why we as a church want to do everything we can to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the goal of the Holy Spirit, is to glorify Jesus Christ. So when we preach the Word of God and give glory to Jesus Christ, that is the Spirit of God at work. When we pray in our homes to, to, to trust in Jesus Christ, that gives uh, the Holy Spirit is at work. See, beloved, prayer is not only for our good. Prayer is for the good of others. It is our way to usher in the kingdom of God. And it is our only way to usher in the kingdom of God. Without the Lord's help, our efforts are futile. Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. You know, I'm studying this message and I, I think that it's a very simple one for us to get. God wants us to be desperate to pray to Him. And God wants us to know that He wants to answer our prayers. He wants to. He desperately wants to hear our prayers and to answer them. I guess the question really is this. Will we be the kind of people to pray? Will we pray? Will we have motivation to pray and to seek God's face. When I first came here, um, I came here to candidate uh, to be your pastor. And right before I, I preached, uh, Olin Hollis came to me and he grabbed my hand and he said, can I pray with you? Um, and he just came and, and, he, and he prayed that God would, would bless the preaching of his word. Um, I have not forgotten that. So what I try to do every time I preach, I try to gather a few men, we go to my office and we just pray, and what we say is that, Lord, unless you move, there's no hope for this church. But if you see how God is moving in our church, God is moving in our church not because we have anything flashy or, or brilliant. God is moving because we have prayed that He would move. That God is moving because the Holy Spirit of God has made His presence felt here. So if we want our church to continue to grow and experience God's blessing, we must pray. Will you pray? Will you pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a good God that wants to hear our prayers.
We thank you that you are a gracious and loving God uh, that wants to bless your people. God, I pray for the people here. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us a, a motivation to seek your face in prayer. God, we pray as a people that we would be known uh, for, as a people who pray and to seek your face. We love you, Lord, and we ask you to give us the motivation, sustain us, um, that we may experience the growth of your kingdom. We ask this in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.